0: you looked at me and we both kind of had this like what like how how did we get into this situation and there i mean every trip of any length if it doesn't have some element of difficulty to it doesn't to me feel as rewarding but this was just brutal and it just felt like it was never going to end
1: welcome to the backpacking experience podcast this is episode one I'm your host, Devin, also known as Backcountry Exposure on YouTube. I'm beyond excited that you're here. And this podcast is going to be a ton of fun. And we've got some really great things planned with this, including gear reviews, interviews with fellow hikers, interviews with business owners, and a lot of backpacking education. So go ahead and subscribe or follow now so you don't miss upcoming episodes because a lot of good stuff is on the calendar. Now, before getting into too deep, since this is the first episode, I do want to share a little bit about who I am and my background in the outdoor industry. My first ever backpacking trip was as a young boy where I hiked a local trail with my brothers and grandpa. And I still have vivid memory of waking up and seeing an owl sitting in the tree above us me not wanting to get out of my sleeping bag and the simple conversation with my grandpa about the morning that we were having. That was nearly 25 years ago and the countless trips and backcountry experiences that I've had since have truly shaped my life. So much so, I completed a degree in outdoor recreation management from Utah Valley University and continue to work full-time in the outdoor industry. Backpacking for me has become that one activity that has become all-consuming, as I'm sure many of you can relate. Many of us find that one thing in life that we devote our full attention to, and backpacking is that thing for me. With Utah being my home state, I spend as much time possible hiking as many new areas of the state as possible, particularly in the south end of the state around Capitol Reef National Park in the town of Escalante. The desert is a safe haven for me, and I feel as though I'm constantly looking for new obscure areas to backpack in this wild area. As I mentioned before, I also run a YouTube channel called Backcountry Exposure, and that may be the means of how you found this podcast, but if you are not familiar with my channel and stumbled upon the Backpacking Experience podcast by other means, be sure to check out my channel where you can see additional backpacking content, trip reports, and gear reviews. With all of that out of the way, let's discuss the topic for today's episode. Let's take you back to March, 2018, to the Death Hollow Wilderness Area of Southern Utah. My good friend Jared and I had just made the four hour drive to the Boulder Mail Trail Trailhead, and we're about to begin a weekend trip to explore a new canyon that neither of us had been down before. And to our knowledge, Also confirmed by the local ranger station, this was a canyon that not many people visit since its neighbor to the west, Death Hollow, is the main attraction for the area, leaving Sand Creek as more or less an afterthought. So let me give you a little bit of context here. Ultimately, this trip would be defined as a failed trip. With what was supposed to be a simple exploration of a new canyon to us, turned out to be something much more difficult and mentally challenging than we had ever anticipated our type two fun meters, we're nearing the realm of type three fun. Okay, so before we go any further, I wanna make sure I define what the three types of fun are before moving on with this story. Now type one fun, basically defined as everything about what you are doing in the moment and after is a good time, you're laughing, smiles on your face, you're just simply happy to be doing what you're doing and it doesn't suck. Moving on to type two fun, this is personally my favorite and also where I struggle the most on the trail. Type two fun is not fun in the moment. Likely you're working through a difficult or challenging situation. You're tired, you're hungry, worn out either mentally or physically or both, and likely you'd rather just stop what you're doing and call it quits. However, once you've made it through whatever that situation was, you're able to look back on it and either laugh and smile about it or make some point of learning from it that helps you better know how to navigate the situation later. These are the experiences we all have at some point or another on the trail. And these are the times where I personally learn the most about my limits with backpacking. And this is why I personally seek after type two fun experiences. Now to type three fun. I mean, Plain and simple, this isn't even fun. In fact, if you've reached type three fun, you've likely found yourself in a pretty poor situation that regardless of the outcome, just simply sucks in the moment and sucks to think about or talk about afterward. And I suggest avoiding type three fun at all costs. Now back to the Sand Creek trip. I've got on the phone with me, my good friend, Jared, who I joined on this trip. Jared and I went to college together and have been great friends for several years now. Jared, how you doing, man? Welcome to the show.
0: Hey, man. Thanks for having me on. I'm doing really good. It's a a cold, snowy day in Utah, but man, it (laughs) sure is pretty. Okay. So we're talking about the Sand Creek trip and
1: talking about Type 2 Fun, and this was the trip that you and I took in March of 2018. I'm sure you remember. Oh, Yeah. And so having joined you on this trip, I wanted to get kind of your perspective of what took place because this trip for me really was kind of like a turning point in this idea of seeking type two fun and how you can learn or just become a a better backpacker or a better outdoorsman from the experiences you have on the trail. But what initially intrigued you in choosing the route? Because you invited me on the trip. But what initially intrigued you on choosing the route down Sand Creek, since it's not normally a well-traveled trail?
0: You know, that's actually part of the appeal, is that it's not one of those trails that you hear very much about. And, uh, you know, I've always loved that area, that greater Escalante area, that whole region. I was looking for a new route, something that wasn't well-traveled and wasn't well-known. Um, that would be just a stunning location. So I wanted to be able to take my college trips down here, the, the groups that I get with the, the university. And uh, after pouring over maps and doing kind of my homework on the area, it just sounded like it could be like that hidden gem, you know? Yeah. And I mean, it truly did feel that way. And just so everybody's aware,
1: both Jared and I are adjunct instructors for uh, Utah Valley University, where we teach intro to backpacking classes. But Jared, discuss what took place once we got into the canyon and started making our way down the canyon.
0: You know, on the maps it, and, and doing my homework, I, you know, it, it's a developed trail. The Boulder Mail Trail is developed all the way through. So we knew the first couple miles was going to be pretty relatively smooth. And, and that was the case. You know, we got on trail. and I remember turning to you about, I don't know, two miles in and thinking, yeah, this, this could be a winner. This could be great. And it's kind of that idea of you don't judge a book by its cover because the first two miles were were beautiful, but about mile two and a half we turned down canyon, and I want to say we made it a hundred yards before we realized, hey, this is going to be a bushwhacking adventure, <laughs> and, and I mean, and we proper bushwhacked. Yeah. This wasn't like, uh yeah. eh, we're we're kind of pushing through a little bit of weeds and some tamarisk. No, this this was like. Like we we emerged from the other side of these these e- encounters with cuts and scrapes and puncture wounds and making sure our packs were still in one piece. It was it was proper slogging through some bushwhacking.
1: Well, and I, I remember it was March and I had make the, made the choice thinking that, man, it's going to be pretty cold. I'm going to go ahead and wear pants, which I don't normally wear pants when I when I backpack in three season type of settings. And I'm glad I wore pants because you didn't.
0: No, I had decided because of the weather that day, you know, usually I hike in pants. That's what's really interesting is usually you and I are kind of the opposite. I hike in pants and you don't. And that day we had switched. And man, I wish we hadn't. I mean,
1: the bushwhacking aside from, from your perspective, because we did not make it very far down the canyon before we started having just like internal grumblings to ourselves. And then we started talking to each other. And I remember there was one point on the trail that we kind of started walking down and there was some ice on some slick rock. Some slick rock. And we, we kind of found ourselves having to do quite a bit of route finding. And I remember that there was a point where we literally looked at each other like, what in the world are we doing right now? And...
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was one of those things that you just like... It doesn't matter how well you, you pour over maps and stuff. Sometimes you just get there and you, you find something completely different than you're expect, expecting. And this was one of those those scenarios. It's a warm day. And we did. We ended up on this, basically this slick rock face that's like 30 feet above the water. A sheer face right there. And, and I turned to you and you're trying to find another way around that doesn't go through cryptobiotic soil or Tamarisk hell. <laughs> and and you looked at me and we both kind of had this like what? Like how, how did we get into this situation? And nothing was fun about it. We were not no. <laughs> we were not having a good time. No. No, we were both I mean, I I guess I can't speak for you personally, but from my experience or my perspective, I was miserable. Like my legs hurt, I had scrapes and cuts, I was now cold cuz I was sitting on a ice field in the middle of the Escalante and uh and it was yeah I mean I wasn't having a good time
1: so I mean fast forward a little bit because we did have one glimmer of hope at uh at one point that just kind of like relifted our spirits and kind of gave us the uh the energy I guess to, to keep moving on to see well let's go find a place to camp but you remember what what we came across right
0: yeah, so we pushed through again. I'm going to say the word, the the verbiage again. It was tamarisk hell. I mean, it was thick. And I remember pushing through and we emerged on this slick rock face. And we're both hunched over, like gasping for breath. And then I don't remember if you looked up or I looked up, but one of us looked up and was like, whoa. <laughs> And the other person was like, what? And you look up and there this huge pictograph panel and it was stunning. And we dropped packs and we stood there just gaping for 45 minutes, maybe. Yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a good amount of time.
1: And even with, with how cool coming across something that we had zero knowledge about, this amazing pictograph panel, just is something that is fairly common down in that area. But for us, it was like, wow, what have we just gone through? And here's this diamond in the rough, basically. But then I remember specifically just as soon as we made the decision, because you had even decided that, well, we're this far down in the canyon so far. If we stop here, we still have maybe eight or nine miles to do tomorrow to even get down to the Escalante River with the confluence. And we had kind of made the decision, well, I'm going to sit here and just enjoy this pictograph panel. And you had decided to go ahead and take a walk down the river a little bit to see if we could find anything that was in the immediate vicinity of a place to camp. And I remember a specific thing that happened that just literally was a a switch in your entire mentality for that trip.
0: I'm trying to remember what (laughs) happened.
1: You fell and you fell hard.
0: (laughs) I remember, okay, yeah, I went to to go down to continue hiking and basically just stepped on moss on top of Slick Rock, and man, I went down hard. And I remember putting a thorn into my right hand and thinking, what else is this freaking route going to (laughs) do to me before we decide to just call this a night? And I I remember just being pissed at that point, like, because I've had hard trips and there, I mean, every trip of any length, if it doesn't have some element of difficulty to it, doesn't to me feel as rewarding. But this was just brutal and it just felt like it was never going to end.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely brutal. And I mean, at that point, we had decided okay, let's put packs on, let's keep walking down. We've got about two hours, maybe, of good daylight. And so let's spend the next hour trying to find a good place to camp. And I mean, it was at least two hours of us trying to find a good place to camp before we finally settled on a semi-flat Slick Rock area that ended up being probably one of the most beautiful campsites that I've ever had in the desert. (laughs) Would you agree?
0: Oh, absolutely. It was completely and absolutely stunning. And I remember actually like when we found it, we were like, yeah, this is okay. And we were both kind of bummed that we hadn't made the miles that we wanted to. But then as we sat there with the sun going down, we were like, you know what? This view was worth not making those miles. It was absolutely beautiful. It was, it absolutely was. And I
1: don't remember what transpired or took place after that, The kind of, because we had an amazing meal We had a a phenomenal sunset and we both slept really good that night. And I mean, it was hard to complain about what was taking place. But my question for you is, why did you want to bail when we woke up in the morning?
0: Well, so we we woke up the next morning and you're absolutely right. Like we had an absolutely beautiful night. The wind was like non-existent. It was just a, a perfect night out on the trail. And we woke up the next morning and I thought, I already know the answer to the question, the goal or the purpose, why we're here. Like, we came down to see if this was an acceptable route or a viable route to take our classes on. And at this point, I mean, we're only like five or six miles into this thing. I wouldn't bring a class here. It's just, it's too, it's too brutal. It's too thick. It's too much navigation. It's all of the things combined. I had already answered that question in my own head. And I, I remember turning to you and saying, hey, this is, what I, this is what I'm feeling and this is what I'm thinking and kind of getting that, that verification from you, that feedback from you. And you're like, yeah, yeah, like this, it's beautiful, but it's not a place that I'd bring a class. Right. And, and that helped me make that decision of like, yeah, I mean, our whole point was to see if we could do this with a class and we can't. Not safely, not, I mean, leave out the bushwhacking leave out the the right route binding. there was cryptobiotic soil everywhere <laughs> everywhere and don't bust the crust <laughs> right how do you how do you lead a group of 10 or 11 people through an area like this with without leaving some kind of trace without busting the crust literally cuz it was it was prevalent it was everywhere yeah and, and so that really was what made my decision? Like, yeah, you and I could do this. Um, we're both capable hikers, and we're both we both enjoy being in the backcountry. And we could have pushed through another slog fest of a day and just kind of beat ourselves up and whatever. But we had already accomplished our mission, so why not spend that time hiking somewhere else in that same location or that same general area? that we know is a good route why not do something that's enjoyable for us because we've already determined that what we were doing wasn't
1: so i guess looking back on the trip because that next day i mean this ended up being just an overnight backpacking trip with not a lot of miles i think we ended up doing less than 10 miles for the entire duration of the trip but we still had to get out of there (laughs) <laughs> which was clearly a challenge in of itself. And I even have a video of this trip, uh, if you want to watch it on, on my YouTube channel on Backcountry Exposure, but it, it outlines the, <laughs> the, uh, the cliff face, basically, that we had to, to scale out of there. And I mean, that didn't add any more fun to, to the experience that we were having.
0: No, I've never felt so close to asthma in my life. I, I couldn't breathe going up that, that cliff face, man. That thing about killed me. Going
1: back, like I was saying, looking back on the trip, do you regret not pushing on to complete the route?
0: You know, in, in one sense, yeah, like, I absolutely regret it. Because for me, it's sort of morphed into that that climber's project route. You know, I, I'm projecting this and I I just keep going back and trying and trying and trying. And it's something that you and I have talked several times about going back and doing. And it's it's kind of morphed into that backpacker's project in a sense that we just need to get back there uh, with equipped with the mental attitude and the right clothing and right gear to just slog through it because it is a stunningly beautiful area. At the same time, I don't regret bailing on that particular trip because we just accomplished our mission.
1: So what would you say is like the one thing looking back on it that you've learned the most from that trip?
0: Uh, that it's okay to to say this isn't, we're not prepared for this or this isn't safe or whatever to to go with a plan B or to find a plan B and say, I'm, I'm okay with this. This isn't worth continuing on just does more damage to me or to the area than I'm willing to take. And it's okay to find a way out and, uh, and to plan something else or to, to look at it from a different angle and attempt it again later.
1: Well, we keep talking about how bad we need to get back there and do it again see if we can conquer this time
0: and this time again armed with that mentality and the gear of this isn't going to be an easy trip but it's something that we want to do because it's a beautiful area and it's challenging well let's let's make it happen dude i say we do let's <laughs> uh Let's wait for it to warm up a little bit. This snowstorm's kind of got me in a, in a slump. I, I want to get out and hit the trail, but
1: <laughs> I ain't doing it in this. Nope, uh, not, uh, not in the snow. Well, right on in. <laughs> I appreciate you sharing your perspective and your experience from this trip and have a good one. I have found since this particular trip and looking back on other backpacking trips from before, that there's a lot to learn from the experiences that we have on the trail. But what I have found myself most often doing in my trip planning is looking for routes and destinations that have potential to push me in ways that almost guarantee experiencing type 2 fun. Although I should clarify something really important here as well. Seeking type 2 fun is not on par with pushing the limits of risk or allowing yourself to get into sketchy and dangerous situations on purpose. Let me share two examples. In August, I visited a friend in Washington State and joined him on a three-day trip in Olympic National Park. From a previous video he had shared of a specific location, I was pretty inspired by the scene and asked him if we could visit that area. What I didn't understand is what was required to get into this area. There was a lot of steep off-trail hiking into a remote area of the park. That thought alone, I feel like, could be enough to sway most people from wanting to do this type of trip. But I wanted the challenge, and we set off on the trail to get to the area. We would leave the trail, and that was difficult just all by itself. And it was a groomed trail, it was a nice trail, but it was very steep terrain, it was very humid, and I was even experiencing some jet lag that definitely made for not an enjoyable time on the trail. I found myself doing that kind of thing where you pick a certain point, and for me it was picking a tree on the trail and just getting to that point on the trail, and then I would stop and take a rest. I honestly had started to question whether this was a good idea or not, Then came the off-trail portion, which was literally following steep elk trails through the brush and boulder fields to get into the high alpine. To say I was experiencing type 2 fun is a total understatement. My legs hurt, I was incredibly tired, and I think I was verbally complaining a lot more than I probably thought I was, so sorry Jake. I'll tell you what though, that trip will forever sit in my mind as one of the most rewarding outdoor experiences I've ever had. Camping high in the alpine with incredible mountain peaks in the distance and a beautiful valley below that each night as the sun began to set, filled with a marine layer of clouds, making for two of the most inspiring and incredible sunsets I had ever had an opportunity to witness. The greatest rewards in backpacking come from hard work and pushing yourself a little bit harder. It truly does make you appreciate the effort it takes to see some of those backcountry gems. My final example comes from a trip I did through the water pocket fold of Capitol Reef National Park. I had been invited by my friend Will to aid him in completing a rarely traveled route that traverses the heart of the winding canyons of the water pocket fold and he had done an incredible amount of research putting the route together that allowed us to navigate through the maze of pour-offs, dead ends, and cliffs, and was certain he had enough information to now complete the route. I'll just say that this particular trip took me to the highest of highs and the lowest of lows I had experienced on a trip to that point. The Beehive Traverse, as It's Been Called features several difficult obstacles that don't require any technical rope work to navigate, but if you're not mindful of where you step or how you approach them, then serious and even deadly consequences will follow. One of which was on the first day of the trip, Will, who had expressed before about having a slight fear of heights, had not had a great night of sleep before leaving on the trip and was starting to feel the fatigue in his legs. The sun was beginning to set and we found ourselves at the first major obstacle of the trip. And it was a very large dry fall that required us to to traverse along a steep slick rock ramp to the side of this massive dry fall that we had found ourselves at. And about a third of the way across the Slick Rock, Will's legs began to shake, which caused him to freeze up and to sit down where he was. And at this point, we weren't even in backpacking mode anymore, I feel like. We weren't laughing and having a good time. We were in full-on create-a-solution mode that required my complete and full attention. The main reason for this was that I needed to completely traverse the Slick Rock ramp and find a place to set my pack down so that it didn't go rolling off the cliff and then get back over to Will and take his pack and take it from him and carry it over to where my pack was as well. Then go back and ensure that Will was able to safely navigate the ramp and make it safely across also. Again, sitting in a situation from that moment all the way up to when we found camp, experiencing type 2 fun. That 45 minutes of helping each other out and getting safely down to the dry stream bed below was not enjoyable, not fun, and just plain sucked. But I got to say that that particular situation not only opened up better communication between Will and I, But we were more cautious and mindful about what we were doing through the other obstacles we faced on that trip, and there were plenty more to deal with on that route. All the difficult hiking definitely paid off in ways that few other trips for me have. There was immense solitude, beautiful views, and good company. That made every stressful and difficult piece of that trip absolutely worth it. So what's the point of all this? Why type two fun? Why not just plan simple routes on well-groomed popular trails that don't create these potentially scary situations? I feel that misses a huge aspect of what backpacking is about and why we go outside and do things like this. At times, doing the easy trip and just having a good time with friends or even yourself out there solo on the trail is all you need to get what you need out of a trip. But I'd argue that seeking type two fun experiences will make you a more experienced and proven backpacker. You're likely to see more areas that inspire you and you're guaranteed to find yourself in wild places that very few others ever get to see. That's why I love seeking type two fun. Know your limits, know the potential risks, plan for them and go on an adventure. Thank you for listening today. To the backpacking experience, guys, please subscribe or follow us, rate this podcast and share it with your friends. We've got a lot of great things planned, awesome interviews and more coming soon. I hope you have a wonderful day. We'll see you on the next episode.